0: What's up, Tyler?
1: How's it going? Thanks Good, for man. having us.
0: No, thanks for making the trip out, dude. And I know it's a long uh I know you got a lot going on right now, so awesome having you out here. And thank you for the tour yesterday.
2: Absolutely. You guys are always welcome.
0: Yeah, appreciate it. Charlie, it's a pleasure.
2: Yeah, pleasure meeting you guys. Thank you so much for having me out.
0: Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um you guys just had your seven year anniversary?
2: Yeah. Crazy. Yes, we did. Yep.
1: Seven <laughs> <New> <laughs> years. Awesome. Yep.
0: Congratulations. Thank you. Not turn you guys a spot. It's one of the nicest facilities I've ever been in. Um, you guys have a gym and an in-house chef. Can you talk about what, how that how the gym got started? It's
1: all about productivity, man. Right. So the more we could stay on site, and you know, the more things that we could do that kind of adapt into our everyday lifestyle, the less we leave, the less we kind of stay together. Right. That's kind of the concept of eating together every day. Uh, michael king the founder of the company is uh, basically a professional athlete right we all just try to keep up so he wanted the gym on site and he takes his hobbies very seriously so that's what you get you get a boxing ring in the gym
2: right i on. think covid had a little something to do with that yeah yeah so, right, uh, <laughs> as soon as the gym started closing down and everything you know changed uh, the gym instantly popped up in the shop and it's grown
1: a little every time, every month. Yeah, Something's yeah. added, right? And Every week. We end up in a different sport or whatever. But yeah, I, I mean, every
3: that. time I come out, there's there's a new piece of equipment or yeah. it's expanding. Yeah. I guess another wall's coming down to push it out <laughs> even more. Some things are shifting around a little bit.
2: Yeah. We had an original agreement that was for like, I think, I don't know, call it like 500 square feet at max. You know, my, Mike said, can I just carve out this one little, <laughs> little yeah, like kind of section over here? And we're like, yeah, no problem. That's fine. Every week, it's grown nice. more and more. We've justified so, it, though. I feel
1: like,
3: yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred
0: percent. Charlie, what what's your role at Kings Garden? What can you introduce yourself and what's your day to day look like?
2: Yeah, yeah, certainly. So my name is Charlie Kylie. I'm um, the founder, one of the founders, and um, COO, Chief Operating Officer. Um, I'm more or less responsible for all of the day to day operations. So my background is cannabis. Um, I've been in this space, I guess. You'd call me a legacy guy if that's the, the term that seems to be appropriate now that mm-hmm. everyone's using. Um, so been in the space, been growing cannabis for 20 years now, um, born and raised in the Coachella Valley, and um, went to Orange County to go to college after high school, spent a couple of years there. That's where I got my first experience with uh, commercial grows, set up a grow in Costa Mesa. Um And then in Westminster, California in 2003, set up a, a dispensary. And um, ran that for about a year and a half. Ultimately, ended up selling off the dispensary and the grow uh, to move to Willits, California. Bought a bought a ranch up off of Third Gate Road in the Sherwood community up off of a uh, in Willits, and uh, spent the next like seven years there just growing um, with a couple of good good friends, good partners, and uh, basically just evolved that one ranch in Willits and do a couple thousand acres spread out between Laytonville, Kenton Palm, um, the Ruth Lake area. So did that for several years. Um, Got a little tired and lonely up in the hills. Anyone who's spent enough time up there knows how that goes. Saw an opportunity in Palm Springs, my hometown. The city was being pretty proactive. They were speaking and starting the dialogue Um, As it relates to licensing, obviously all medical at this time. Um, So I came back home to have some conversations with some people I knew, and um, one thing led to another. And my efforts and attention kind of shift to opening indoors in my hometown, the desert. Um, Not too long after that became my focus, I linked up with Mike King through a friend of a friend, not even a friend, but through an, an acquaintance and an acquaintance, one of those, you know, seven people removed type of situations. We ended up in the same building, had a good conversation, realized that we were both on the same mission to do the same thing. Um, he had a financial background, access to capital. I had the cultivation and uh, cannabis experience, and so it was that minute that this uh, relationship was formed. It wasn't King's Garden or anything at that time. It was just a just a partnership and uh, a common goal. So we set out to, you know, achieve greatness in the cannabis space. It was very quickly after that I had known Tyler, um, one of the grows I was like consulting for in Palm Springs. Tyler was running successful indoor operations in Palm Springs. We were kind of neighbors in a sense. We we um, ended up in the same building, and so uh, you know he was one of the early one of the first people to come onto the team. We recognized his skill set and uh, his value, and so you know he was one of the first ones to come onto the team. But yeah, that that's me in a nutshell.
0: No, you guys, that's awesome to hear. That you've come from the traditional market and and know the background because a lot of the times you're seeing a lot of people come in um, just with capital and and no background. So you're one of the original founders. Yeah. With you, you are the original founder. That's I mean,
2: me and my king are the the two original founders. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, and um, to your point, like there's a ton of people coming into the space that that you know don't have anything other than capital. Um, they are a threat obviously for their own reasons but at the end of the day um without the ability to grow a good product and consistently produce um you know just having the capital will never get you to the finish line
0: 100% but i also think you know you guys have built king's garden on quality product you know, hands down. I mean, no influencers, no you know, crazy partnerships with anybody famous. You guys just done it from good quality cannabis.
2: That was the goal. Sorry, I let Tyler jump in too, but that was the goal originally. I recognized that there was this huge misconception that you could not grow good quality cannabis at scale, right? This is like a misnomer that's been thrown around for so long. And I saw it when I was up on the Hill. I saw it when I lived up there for years and experienced, you know, what, I was a a new grower, you know, quote unquote, uh, chatting with people who had been in the hills for 20, 30, 40 years. And if you asked any of them, the general rule or the general consensus was that there was no way you could ever grow, you know, good quality cannabis at scale. It just wasn't feasible. And I recognize that statement just to be so flawed, just, and just on the principle. And you don't have to look very far to recognize that like anything, agricultural product not any but as far as i'm aware any so that i've encountered so far it is scalable yeah is it easy no is there a certain is there a right and a wrong way to do it? absolutely but is it scalable like yes absolutely and that was the mission we set out to prove was that we could in fact you know stay true to our roots of producing good cannabis not just in a hundred or two hundred three hundred light facility but in a three thousand um light operation and growing from there
0: Tyler, what about you? How did you get into the industry and what's your background?
2: Yeah, so uh,
1: I moved out to California from Florida, my hometown, in 2011. So I just recently broke my 10 years of being in the industry. Uh, I had an opportunity with some family. Uh, My cousin was uh, running a, you call it on the traditional market uh, at the time, a large-scale co-op. I didn't know what I was moving out for at the time, who I was going to be working with, what I was going to be doing. Uh I just remember my first day walking in the grove, seeing all the the umbrella h i d lighting and and uh kind of hopping in first day right. I worked my way from the bottom, one thing led to another having, having to move getting you know closed down left and right, ended up in the desert <clears throat> uh palm Springs like Charlie said in the neighboring facility um Him and I kind of in the team that he was with kind of shared a lot of the same genetics and tech and just growing methods and stuff like that. So that's kind of how we met Um, timing, right place, right time, being connected to the right people is um, how I ended up meeting Mike as well. And when they had an opportunity um, to launch something on the recreational legal side, that's when they called me and joined their team instantly.
0: What's your day-to-day at King's? What What is your role?
1: Yeah, so uh, I'm the head cultivator. I oversee all 3,500 flowering lights. We have currently 42 employees underneath me. Um, every single one of our facilities has a respective manager on site that I uh, talk with daily, weekly, monthly, basically sending them templates, schedules, and things of that nature uh, to keep every facility on track with with our growing methods and to keep everything on the same cycle so my goal is to look at all 10 of our operations as one facility right it doesn't matter there's 50 something grow rooms but they're all under one company and one brand so i have to run those as if it's in one operation right so we have like a floating team and we use kind of centralizing things as as like kind of a superpower to us right it's how we can remain efficient in in a lot of ways so A standard say call it a thousand light facility for us only has five full-time employees on site because there's there's a lot of times that i don't need 15 20 people there but there's you know big harvests or buck downs or green work that needs to happen you know de or things of that nature where i have to direct a large crew you know to one facility or to the next to you know accomplish every single goal every single week so it's it's a it's a per day and a per week kind of scheduling that I that I stick to on top of that it's it's you know the the, the standard troubleshooting that every grower needs to know how to do how to identify a product a, a problem like a mechanical failure things of that nature have the approach to be able to fix it correctly or, or know when there's something wrong so so things like that so I'm on site at every single facility most of the time at least once a day at every building kind of just driving around now that we're expanding how many,
0: how many buildings do you have
1: Ten. So one of them is a is a thank you a uh, nursery uh, mother room. The other nine are cultivation facilities. So all different shapes and sizes. Some of our facilities are as small as 220 lights, and some of them are as large as a thousand lights. The new ones that we have coming online, we have two two thousand light ground up operations being built in Palm Springs right now, and then a four thousand light operation being built in San Bernardino. With those things, like Charlie was saying, you need to find a way to become scalable at an easier cost, right? So boots on the ground for somebody like me every single day, seven days a week, is going to be a little bit harder. So that's when we're going to get a little bit more fine-tuned with kind of the mechanical side of things that we're implementing, you know, more facility controls, irrigation controls, fertigation controls, where I can tap in with remote access and kind of guide our team and give them the resources and tools necessary to be able to succeed, right? Nice, um, because it's it's going to be harder for me to kind of be spread out, right?
0: Yeah, Charlie, you you said you had thirty five hundred lights going right now. What does the expansion look like, and how many lights are you guys having the plans?
2: So yeah, thirty five hundred lights flowering right now. All of those are in the Coachella Valley, um, so they're within like let's say a five to ten mile bubble of each other. Um, the expansion that we're that, that Tyler mentioned right now. Um, in Palm Springs, kind of an expansion of one of our existing facilities, um, is an additional 4,000 lights. Um, that's already broken ground. The grading has begun. Um, they're starting to do all the underground now. So, um, and then in addition to that, we have currently under construction um, a project in San Bernardino that's another 2,000 lights. Excuse me, 4,000 lights. So once San Bernardino, the Palm Springs expansion comes on there's an additional eight thousand that's gonna add to the thirty five hundred that we have right now. So we'll yeah. be at eleven five. Oh shit. <laughs> A lot, Damn. Of, lot Damn. of lights. And so that's why, you know, to to Tyler's point, <laughs> when you asked him what he does, he, it it's it's everything. But I think like the biggest thing, so obviously SOPs are what allow you to scale, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. having very, very, very strict and concise and clear SOPs. So that everybody knows exactly what they do when they do it. Right. We're not trying to um, we don't we don't hire like for quote unquote seasoned like master growers. Right. We hire people who um, fit, fit the, the kind of family vibe that we got going on and who are trainable and smart enough to understand like this is how we do things. This is why we do it. Is there a more than one way to do things, absolutely, right? But this is our way and we have to stay true to our way. These are the SOPs that we've written. This is what has allowed us to scale. This will be, our success is dependent on following those SOPs. So once you have those SOPs and they're so clear and they're so concise, it's, it's, the, it's the rinse and repeat, right? Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. So what Tyler has done just phenomenally, which is probably one of the actual hardest tasks to do, is effectively just schedule and manage what's happening on what days. We know that it, you know, at this point we deleaf. We know that at this point we, um, you know, clone. We know that at this point, but making sure that that's what's happening when you actually have that many facilities going on and using that floating crew—that's our kind of um, like migrant workforce that just moves from facility to facility. Mm-hmm. Making sure that they're at the right place at the right day, doing the right task. Like the scheduling is really has to be like precise right absolute precision and so that's a big 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 part of what he does he's the head cultivator and so he's responsible for you know everything as it relates to cultivation including like getting these workers to the right place and getting them doing the right tasks and that's not that's not easy
0: no and then with those sops and the foundation that you guys created i'm I'm assuming you guys have the ability to kind of bring you know talent up through your through your your operations oh, yeah. and you're 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 developing people based on knowledge that you've learned so instead of hiring like a guy that's been growing weed for you know 10 20 years or whatever you're able to take a brand new guy and kind of develop move them right. through the
2: ranks yeah that's we do we do that most of our managers are people who or all of them really are people who have started at lower positions and moved their way up and some of the best workers that we have in the organization period like Um, packaging managers and trimming managers and stuff like that are people who started at the most entry level position, either in packaging or in trimming or in the cultivation team, just doing, you know, the floating crew work. Um, So everybody has a shot, right? Um, Show your worth, show your ability to just follow basic, you know, workflow stuff. And you definitely have, and with all of the expansion that's coming in, you know, Tyler reiterates that to these guys all the time. Like, there's a lot of management positions opening up there's a lot of uh, you know vertical movement that can happen here shortly as these new facilities come on so do your duty and
0: nice Ty- Tyler I'm assuming you you're the one developing these these people what do you look for in someone what qualities do you look for in someone as you're as you're bringing them up through their ranks?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, to Charlie's point, like we hire everybody entry level, right? So nobody really in the company besides myself and a few others, which I think I just got lucky because, you know, to Charlie's point, we're not hiring people that are skilled cultivators already, right? Because we want to be able to groom them to do things the way that we like to do them. Not saying that it's the only way or the right way. It's the way that works for us. And for us, there's no, we don't want you testing out things in our facilities, right? So- I'd almost rather have somebody with little to no experience that I can groom. And what we're looking for is family values, right? We're very big on that. Uh, we need to be able to work w- well together. We need to be able to get along. And you need to be able to take direction and, and follow notes. And, and like what I'm doing on the back end of things is I'm trying to give the growers in the buildings as much data and like scheduling as I possibly can. So. I'm not looking at myself as the train anymore, right? I'm not, I can't physically be in there operating Dosatrons or irrigation skids and things of that nature. I can't do it anymore. I look at myself more as like the train tracks, right? I'm trying to guide everybody to success by just like, here is our way of doing it, right? Yeah. Now with the big change of implementing Athena and all of that stuff, you know, everything's kind of changed and we've had to switch SOPs and that stuff, but only to our benefit, yeah. right?
0: Alex, how did, you you worked with these guys? I mean, to make not a, you guys don't make a lot of changes, and I respect <laughs> that, and I I'm all about that. <laughs> but to make a change from how many bottles were you guys using before?
1: Sixteen different
2: bottles at one time, yeah. Sixteen. Eight part. at one time, yeah. yeah but, but, not at but, once, yeah.
1: obviously, but like yeah. through the
2: yeah. growing cycle, yeah. Mm-hmm. To and, make, and that was a dumb down, like that was what I had come up with that. To be more simple than some of these, (laughs) you know, full lines that we were seeing, right? Like, we've tried it all. I've, I've, I've run the, I've tried the full line of advance and connoisseur this. And I I mean, we tried it all. We've always wanted, thank you guys for finally doing it. We've always wanted, you know, uh, a more (laughs) basic and simple way. And I knew, I, I I guess I probably left out that I did for a small period when I moved to Orange County. Um, I, was working at a nursery and I got kind of plugged into the, um, that world, the agriculture, the agriculture side of things. Mm -hmm. And, um, I learned a lot there that kind of, you know, transferred over obviously. Um, but one of the things I picked up on pretty quickly was that we were all being misled at, well, just, we were all being taken advantage of, not necessarily misled, but taken advantage of, um, by these nutrient companies, right. Um, the idea that, somebody had finally formulated something that was, you know, for, for cannabis. And so we had to use this or that. And if you understood NPKs and, and what just those, just alone, if you understood what those three numbers meant, you, you already were off to a better start. And then if you understood, you know, the idea that there's only so many ingredients to make those numbers up, and there's only so many source sources for these ingredients and stuff to begin with, you started to recognize that like, you know this. There was way too many products being marketed just for the sole purpose of exploiting us from our from our funds. Yep. And so um, I tried it all. I tried Veg Bloom when that was you know like a thing early on, um, in hopes that like finally somebody had mastered the salt thing, right? <laughs> um, so we always knew that like, or I always knew deep down that somebody would be able to figure out something that was more basic. But that sixteen bottle system was was dumbed down, right? That was like mm-hmm. leaving out a lot of the other rubbish. It was like, you know, what we believed was important in those times, our beneficials, our base, mm-hmm. our beneficials, some boosters and stuff like that, um, some silica. Like, it was it was all the things that we had been trained to think that th- that was what we needed. Yep. So, yep. anyways, that's, a, I guess, a thank you to you
0: guys, finally. <laughs> <slightly. laughs> thank you to Alex over here. Yeah. You know, no,
3: just, you know, just here trying to, uh, you know, steer them in the right direction and make it simple i mean that's that's really what it is is simplifying the whole process at scale that's that's what it is
0: so our
2: trial run was small right we didn't to your point we don't we don't just dive right in and and make changes um
3: it was a slow process it's been two years yeah but i don't think the trial run (laughs) (laughs) the,
0: the trial run didn't go perfectly the first time right tyler
1: no you know what um so to charlie's point you know, he did a really good job formulating our original recipe by taking like all of his favorite products from all these different brands, right? So whether it be botanic air, house and garden, this and that. It was a plethora of other things. <laughs> it got us to where we are at today. Could we have continued to scale with that and produce what we were doing with that? Sure. Um, but was it it wouldn't have been scalable at an easy cost by any means. Um that many changes throughout the plant's life, pulling this, adding that. And that
3: a lot of moving parts.
1: A lot of moving parts, a lot of different doser stations. Now you're talking about, you know, single-source bacillus with, with, like, uh, beneficial bacterias and then feeding them sugars. Now we're in the world where we have to recollect all of our water and strip it of everything yeah. and reuse it. So that became a huge learning curve for us. Cleanliness
2: yeah. is a huge part of your guys' advantage.
0: For scale. Oh, yes. for sure. Oh, for God. scale, you have to have 100 percent yeah. Sterile.
1: Yeah. So we were successful with what we had, but, but you know, the first day, uh, a good friend of ours, Chris Lundgren, uh great friend of ours we do a lot of stuff together dosatron chris everybody knows him uh, knows him by he said hey he actually uh, just
0: called me while we're on this podcast oh yeah
1: (laughs) Yeah. that's funny shout out chris yeah Yeah. um
0: he
1: he called me one day said hey i got a couple buddies in town i think rob was supposed to be there but he couldn't make it but but uh brent and alex i just want you to meet these guys right and so they came by the shop and immediately Alex was like, you got cow mag deficiencies, deficiencies. Right? <laughs> Damn, yeah. Alex, just like that, bro, just go in and start
0: talking beef for a um, while. Well, you know, I see what I see and, you know,
3: it's easy. Uh, but
1: but that day, you know, we sat down in the office and, and recognized and Charlie, you know, put this really well when, when having this conversation was uh, we're not really open to changing much, but if we're going to test those waters with anybody it's going to be with you guys right because you guys put in the work on the back end with the with the r d uh specific to what we're trying to accomplish here right yeah. it's not another nutrient bottle that's just like hey buy all these things you're going to get 30 percent more and yada yada which is like when has that ever been true right yeah. how many claims have we heard like yeah that, right oh, increases yield by 20 <laughs> yeah. percent yeah. 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 every problem. So, the one claim, claim we won't make <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, the conversation that that was had was even if we could produce the exact same thing with what we were doing before.
0: Yep. You're winning. We're winning. Yeah.
1: And or if we can get close and and pick up on efficiencies or or be scalable at an easier cost to have less bull crap down the line, then it's worth it, right? Our first run was by no means a failure. Definitely was a huge learning curve for us because of the, you know, trying to build up and and the way that we irrigate and things of that nature we might be a little unique. Uh, but it wasn't a failure by any means. Adjustments needed to be made. And now we're at a point right now where I can confidently say we haven't even unlocked the full potential of what we can be doing with these products. But, again, it's a long time in the making, right? We've got a, 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 already a workhorse of a, a brand out there that we need to be consi- consistently producing the same product and or better so we can't just like, hey, let's rip everything out and, and change everything overnight. So it was slow R&D process. But now, it, you know, we came to a point where it was like, find something that's kind of like your base that, you, that I can roll out everywhere right now. Right. And it's, it's something that plays well with everything. Every single one of our genetics, every single unique difference in maybe each grow room. It works well with everything and we're producing the same and or better with what we were doing before it, it numbers don't lie right numbers terpenes yeah, gonna all of those ask, things if
2: success is measured on like if, if if we went into it with the idea like tyler said like if we just match what we were doing and it'd be, but it was more efficient to get there It was easier for us to get there than that was a success like that was that was the the openness yeah. that we had right the reality is an increase in yields an increase in um, quality, at least certainly with specific strains and things like that. Um, so I think we can say that, you know, we we definitely hit that part of, you know, getting that or or better and and better would be, you know, wh- where I say we landed. So much so that we have gone ahead. We are 100% transitioned now. So the whole 3,500 lights mm-hmm. has made that transition. To Alex's point, it was a long, you know, <laughs> two years to get there. Um, but we ha- we had to make sure that um you know we were doing the right thing once you got to a certain once we had a certain level of confidence it was just a matter of actually getting it it, it was a matter of like getting it through you know uh our so uh, getting it through the, the the whole rest of the facilities and stuff like that it, it, it just took time right yeah but um we're very very happy with where, where we're at um and the same thing applies to the the luxe side of things right like just like I always wanted there to be a better nutrient solution. I, we, I think Tyler and I all also agreed. We always wanted there to be a better lighting solution. Um, you know, we grew under everything that you guys have all experienced, right? We we're on parabolics. We ran Magnum air cooled hoods. Um, uh, eventually ran, to, you know, double ended HIDs, um, which still are hanging in a lot of our facilities, obviously. Um, But we always hoped that something would come out that would reduce the electrical demand and, additionally, reduce the heat load. Mm -hmm. Um, We tried random things like those satellite UFO um, (laughs) LEDs, (laughs) LEDs, right? Just little bits here and there. Never threw, you know, whole room or whole facilities into R and D. But definitely like open to the idea that some light was going to come out and finally you know disrupt what we knew mm-hmm. so just like with the athena side the, the Lux side effectively did that we put it into an r&d with the 645s mm-hmm. and um and then i think we were one of the lucky few to start to yeah to, you to, were one to of to the sample some of your 860s, 8, 860s. Yep. 860s yeah, yeah.
0: you steezy and jungle boys yep. all got rooms at 860s yep. and we're try.
2: absolutely loving those things right tyler can speak on details of those but so it's another example of like um, you know us knowing that or hoping and and praying that something would you know <laughs> yeah. there would be a solution and, and and there
0: is what do you tyler what are you seeing with leds over the hps and on all the new builds are you guys going all led now and getting away from hps completely
1: yeah good question uh everything that we're doing moving forward even like additional rooms in some of our existing facilities that we're currently building out led 860 watt extra red spectrum leds mm-hmm. um, first run on those without having adapted to any learning learning curves and things like that in an existing grow room that was operational for four years that we had data going back on with hid lighting um you know i think i shared this information with alex is uh, with our old lights and our old nutrients we produced x grams per square foot pounds per light implemented athena we watched that ticker kind of go up Mm -hmm. and then went basically light for light with that same recipe with the athena and with the 860s and we watched it just go up even more but what was interesting with that was the the learning curve was minimal granted i'm still learning here um and i've had a lot of good people like brent and roach and a couple guys like that that have given me some pointers and some things that that i've seen kind of differently um room control is definitely a lot easier maybe because of the fact i'm coming in at you know 0. 0.6 tons per <laughs> per watt or yeah, per, right? the, per, per, watt per light right per thousand watt light that was so, our calculation yeah. previous yeah, yeah for sure um so i've got i've got full capabilities of doing whatever we want in that room uh but but just when you talk about <clears throat> like light penetration and actual like light absorbed by the plant that's beneficial when you're running an HPS, if you, there's You used this term yesterday, uh, yield dilution. There's a point where you could produce too much plant matter in a room where like, man, these things are booming. They're huge. They look good. But at a certain point, there's kind of diminishing return on quality with that. We didn't Mm -hmm. see that as much with the LED. Not only did we have more product out of the room, it was better quality, top to bottom. Just maybe the light penetration, the bottoms filled out more. Mm -hmm. You saw more color throughout. Terpene production was higher. Um, We have test results proving that terpene production was higher than the HID room. So it it was a success across the board. So all 12,000 lights that were, uh, or sorry, 8,000 lights that we're we're designing right now is all designed with 860 watt LEDs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I learned about yield dilution from Morgan Patterson, and it's an actual, you know, verb, you know, word in agriculture. Mm -hmm. And I think the two things that are going to affect the quality of cannabis uh, regarding yield dilution is what? One, PPFD too much ppfd too much light and then two is the whole crop steering you know the advice that some companies are giving on crop steering you know we don't like saying crop steering we say irrigation strategy mm-hmm. and when you pump when you pump the ec too high and you're you're driving your drybacks way too much yeah your yield goes crazy right and you pump you know high ppfd on the canopy your yield goes crazy but yield dilution, TURPS, and THC goes down, yep.
2: you know. I think we've always used the term – I like that term, We're diminishing returns, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's a simil- yeah. similar, like, concept, right? More is not always better. Better, yeah. for sure. Better. Yep. <clears throat>
0: um, did you – going from the 15-part recipe that you guys were using um, – you can be one hundred percent honest. Did you see a negative impact on quality going from fifteen parts organics, organic inputs, all these different microbes, mycorrhiza, trichoderma, sweeteners, all this stuff, Mm-mm. to a two-part Athena with cleanse? Did one hundred percent honesty? Did you see a negative impact on terp testing, THC testing, no. bag appeal? It got better. It got better. Yeah.
1: They got better Hot on chicks. top of
0: other things that you're not mentioning, like cleanliness,
2: yep. right? Which that in and of itself is huge, right? Yep. So we've had, because we use beneficials so much. It, Tyler mentioned we have a couple of our facilities that are on we we they're kind of dubbed these zero waste facilities, but ultimately what they are is they've got wastewater skids, reclaimed skids, and we're treating all the water and and reusing it, and not only like the impact that it has on that reclaimed skid, but Obviously, all of the irrigation components, the PE pipe and the emitters themselves, any piece of PVC. So just the cleanliness side alone, right? Huge, huge, huge advantage. The ease, right? So now instead of, to your part, the 15 things, it's the two things like, so the ease makes us more efficient, which has a huge, 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 you know, benefit to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then to your point, the, i think you were originally asking the quality of the finished product yeah that's what that's what thc yeah. terpene nug size bag appeal uh you know smell all of that which obviously goes with terpenes is mm-hmm. been on point it's we're we're killing it um you know we've always been proud of the product we produce so it's not not to say that like you know we were growing shit product and now it's amazing or anything like we've always been proud of it <laughs> But no you, you've
0: always guys you've, but you're definitely, definitely
2: like looking at this stuff and saying wow like there's some examples of s- some of this uh recent harvest and recent batches being so, like f- just phenomenal some of the best stuff that we've ever grown so awesome dude right.
1: yeah i'd like to tack on to that a little bit um i think the concept behind it too for us what's most important is yeah, you want to talk about grams per square foot, pounds per light, all of these things. Those are all great, right? But for us, it needs to be a consistent product that hits the shelf every single time. So take an example, our gelato. It's one of our staples in our in our grow. That gelato needs to be the same every single time a consumer buys it and opens it. W- with the method that we were using before, it was kind of like a like a stress-based recipe, right? You're adding mm-hmm. certain ingredients at certain times. You're taking them away at certain times. You're trying to play this game with, you know, a a give and take throughout the eight week cycle with a hundred different genetics, right? The concept behind something that's like Athena, that it's just an extremely stable, well-balanced diet that you give your plant all the food that it needs. And it's going to take what it needs when it needs it. Mm -hmm. You're not stripping your plant at certain times of things where it's like, Hey, I kind of still wanted a little bit more of that. You know what I mean? Where you go in a room where there's 10 different strains growing in a 150 light room. And you're like, well, this one's got a little bit of, Cal mag deficiency to, to to Alex's point, but for us mm-hmm. it was it needed to be super streamlined for what we were using, and it had to be cookie cutter. We couldn't treat things differently within, especially within the same grow rooms, because of just scalability, right? Yeah. So if one strain needed a little bit of something else for a little bit longer, like hey, is the end result of that genetic going to be good at the end of the day with what we're running with it? If not, it's just not going to make the cut with with our program, right? What we're seeing with something like Athena is it's a lot more well rounded because Granted, you need to, you know, still plant things accordingly by zone or by room because certain strains or genetics are not going to eat the same. But you're giving everything the same well-balanced diet that's more than enough for what it needs uh, to thrive off of. And I, I think that's the concept there for us. What, what matters the most is that it's it's just very stable and,
2: and balanced, right? And yeah, that, and that and allows it- us to bring s- uh, certain strains back into the mix that mm-hmm. maybe didn't do so well um, under the, you know, previous um lineup so yeah the ability you know there's there's a lot of strains that we would love to grow that just don't fit our model because they're too long of flowering is now the primary reason it, previously it did we did have certain things that like well this you know this was a little too finicky and it would require you know a little more nitrogen and we didn't have the ability to feed a special blend to just these when everything else they, they all needed to eat the same and so you'd pull certain things and strains that we knew we'd love strains that I grew up growing. Right. Even like some of the hazes and stuff like that. And, and um, now this in theory minus the, you know, we still have the constraint by the time, right. We, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: we have a really strict business model and scheduling. Like we kind of talked about earlier. And as such, um, you know, some of the longer or none of the longer strains really work for us. Some of them obviously can be manipulated into finishing, you know, in a shorter period, but a lot of things that we would love to grow just don't, work when you only have eight or nine weeks to flower
3: yeah so. and it really makes sense too you know like going from a eight to 16 part and really relying on the nutrient side and changing that bumping it up taking it out um now it's 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 like what we flatlined it it's yep. flatlined and we're not relying on a band-aid or an additive it's just flatline and really falling back on the genetic and letting the genetic do what it's supposed to do and what that makeup is and having it fit in the staple. If it doesn't, you know, that's, you know, that's why we're pheno hunting. You guys, I know you guys have Mm -hmm. that going, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's, it's like taking the back seat to where we don't have to find a band Band aid. It's, it's, it makes the end user's job extremely easy, Mm -hmm. um, which is exciting. And like you said, To Tyler's point like you guys have you know the Athena line under your belt it's fully running on 3500 lights and you know the exciting part for me is he's like it's we haven't even unleashed what we feel the potential of this model is um on a two-part which again is exciting to you know get up to you know over 10,000 lights is it's gonna be you definitely have to be willing to like you know
2: listen to you Alex and and (laughs) <laughs> and listen to the facility advisors and be willing to kind of let go of some of these things that you know, especially as it relates to the stacking and the yeah. these high numbers. When people start throwing around some of these ECs that previously people would be like, fuck no, what are you talking about, right? Yeah. But then when you understand, like, I I I'd like to think that we're all intelligent enough, like, tell me why, talk me through it. There's a logic that you have, you have to be able to explain it. And you guys can actually do that. And when you do, you're like, ah
0: it makes right sense. it makes sense now, right yeah. so now
2: i'm like okay right but you definitely have a willingness to you have to have a willingness to like kind of let go of some of those things and that goes back to like i said before like i'm a, now i guess i'm kind of <laughs> that person i talked about on the hill where you're like oh shit no you can't do that you can't <laughs> right and um tyler's going to implement a lot more um you know kind of remote accessibility um at least for viewing but even probably for controls um than we've ever set up because we're setting up in San Bernardino and we're setting up and there's so many and so that's another example of me having to like let my guard down and be like you know yeah the systems are now proven to work and there's things out there that we know can actually do it but you know you come I like redundancies and I like like mechanical things as opposed to like so yeah um there's definitely you know you need to be you need to be able to I guess change, <laughs> yeah, <adjust. laughs> grow, grow with the times
0: on the, uh, you were, you were going over, uh, the filtration system. Mm-hmm. You guys are reclaiming your water. Now I've heard of this, right? I mean, what do you think the percentage of facilities? I mean, is it a California regulation right now? Or are they, you have to reclaim water or you guys are just ahead of the times?
1: We're ahead. Not a hundred percent by choice. Our two largest facilities are on septic tanks. We're not tied to the sewer uh but it's Mm. it's kind of a blessing in disguise that that this happened to us and that we that we took this route uh because it is going to become mandatory i think what is it 23
2: well uh, it's another example you have i think you have you have state legislation you have municipalities and water boards and all have varying degrees of like what they want to see done yeah Mm -hmm. um so as an example in cathedral city right like they're they're making it they're implementing um you know, an ordinance that requires that no wastewater be discharged to the sewers. So effectively everyone will have to figure out somehow to either haul off site or treat.
0: Is that a city ordinance? And that's a city, that's right? A city. That's
2: that's a muni- that's an example of a municipality who's decided something. But then you also have the have the authority and the regulations of the water boards. So in Palm Springs, we have two different water agencies. The Desert Water Agency is our water provider for some of our facilities in Coachella Valley Water District is a provider for some of the others and they have varying degrees of what they want to see. Um, but I think it's safe to assume, right? So one, we have this, we have the ability to do it. Now we've proven that we can. So I think we have some obligation is to, to be good stewards to our land and our resources. Um, but I also think that, you know, you're going to see a lot more regulation come down the pipes as it relates to that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, we're kind of just one step ahead, yeah. And huh. we've worked with some really cool people along the way to figure these technologies out. And we're working with even you know better people now um, to help f- specifically figure these issues out.
0: Hydrologic has a skid just for water rec- reclamation, right? Yeah. Tyler
2: can tell you all about. Yeah, that let's. Thing. Ta- I want to talk about <laughs> it just because
0: this is something that you know cultivators in California are going to have to pay attention to, don't you think? 100%. Oh yes.
1: Yeah. Yep. Great point. Uh, hydrologic makes a skid. That's what we currently use at any of our sites. We currently have three operations that we use, hydrologic reclaim Skid. So basically how it works is all the leachate water from our, our table runoff, which is 15%, 20% plant runoff, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got other things, waste from you know switching recipes on a doser or things of that nature that's just going to go down the drain. On top of that, you have the waste of the city water skid with the, the concentrate that that's going to put off is also collected into uh the weight the head waste tank so it's going to kind of dilute your tds a little bit with 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 the waste of the uh the concentrate of the city water excuse me of the ro city ro skid it runs through a set of a bunch of different things a chlorine injector which will strip the iron out of the water uh, we also use that measuring in millivolts on orp to kind of try to disinfect um, to charlie's point earlier on our old lines feeding sugars and beneficial bacterias right It was hard to combat the biofilm that came in that high TDS water.
0: What what were you seeing? Were you getting more wastewater with uh, more organics, or is just harder to get that ORP up in your treatment?
1: Uh, both. It was it was hard to get the ORP in the treatment, and it was harder to uh, prevent biofilm from from popping up in our in our permeate tanks and our product tanks.
2: It, it basically inhibited the the wastewater skid from effectively doing its job. Yeah. Right. It puts much. So, much so much burden on yeah. the wastewater skid that hydrologic skid. All of a sudden, is like whoa. Mm Yeah. right so talk about membranes and and all that stuff just high 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 maintenance at that point yeah
1: Mm -hmm. runs through a green sand filter carbon filter and then a set of high tds membranes so just an advanced ro membrane bringing stripping all of the nutrients and minerals that we've just added to the water fed our fed to our plants went through the plant stripping it back out for reuse close to zero ppm um on top of that we collect all of our condensate water we're in the desert it gets to 120 in the summer our acs run like workhorses we collect a lot of condensate water i'd say about 40 50 percent of our actual water use comes alone from our condensate water
2: which is dehus and and yeah so yeah. yeah. a,
1: a lot of storage for those you guys saw the water room right there's mm-hmm. fifteen thousand gallons of, of storage alone in a 1000 light facility so you do the math on on how much we're going to need yeah with scaling that's a lot of space that it takes uh but but reusing condensate water pretty easy we like to ozonate the water just to get those ORP levels up condensate water can be kind of gross right so we want to disinfect it get those levels of ORP up a little bit higher run it through a hydrologic makes another great product uh it's called the arc skid yep and that just treats all the, the condensate, but that's a zero waste. There's no. It, it treats
2: 100%. It treats basically, awesome. other
1: than just like membrane back flushes, which again, that will end up in your waste tank for to go through the reclaim skids. So you kind of get to milk that for what it's worth, anyways. Uh, it's as close to 100% as, as you're going to get
2: on, on condensate reusage. Well, that condensate's. Pretty clean to begin yeah. with, right? Yeah, the, the, yeah. It, I mean,
0: it's like it's zero. Like zero, low, low, almost low TDS, yeah. almost zero. Yeah. But
2: but it's of course could have pathogens, especially depending on if you've ever looked in the condensate lines of an HVAC oh, unit. Sure. Like yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you tend to see what grows on those things. So we're treating it not for TDS or E. C. But obviously for pathogens and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So UV and, and ozone. Um.
0: But you're also having a treatment plant come pick up water yeah
2: so
1: the sorry uh the discharge off of the reclaim skid it's about a two to one or a three to one on any given day right where uh it'll give you three gallons of discharge which needs to be hauled off site and or evaporated um at the time the evaporators were not whether economically uh useful to us or, or not allowed or just didn't fit the space that we had uh so we just put a tank there where once a week a third party company will come and and pick up our water and They'll do what they need to do with that just so that they can dump it or whatever it is they do with
0: that. Is yeah. that is that expensive?
1: No. It, it, yes, at scale. It, it is, uh, but it's definitely less expensive than a lot of these people hauling 100% of their wastewater, whether it be the municipality not allowing them to dump anything down the drain and or uh, not having the experience like we do of actually successfully reclaiming that water for reuse.
2: There's a high capital expense associated with buying a yeah. hydrologic wastewater skid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they're yeah, they're, they're not exp- cheap, yeah. right? Yeah, we're mm-hmm. talking six figures to start.
0: Yeah. Oh really?
2: For uh, something that's gonna process the volume of the water that we're yeah, after. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So um there is a return on your investment for buying that and not hauling all of your water, but some people just can't can't do that up yep. front.
0: You guys are doing some some pheno hunting. Hmm. How many seed pops <laughs> do you have going on right now and, and who what what uh breeders are you are you popping right now
1: yeah so i'll touch on that uh we we're, we're in a pretty you know high demand market right now for very specific things california is the most connoisseur based customer in the whole entire world right it's the biggest weed economy in the world uh so people like what they like And they want a high variety of very exotic things. So uh, we've got 125, just off the top of my head, 125 different phenotypes um, being tested right now, kind of scattered around, done strategically, right? We're not just going to fill 100 light rooms with all these different seeds and things that we don't know how they're going to do, right? So biting off little batches at a time. But uh, about 125 different phenos kind of in the works right now. Uh, Some of the breeders that we're working with for some of these are... In my opinion and i think charlie can agree some of like the best breeders in the industry right now uh you know compound genetics we're looking for stability, right? When we're looking for a good genetic, we want something that, you know, somebody might produce something that's super fire for a couple of runs, but then all of a sudden just something goes left or right and it's like, well, why isn't this the same product, right? And for us, that's important. It's got to be consistent. So, uh, compound genetics, um, they're, they're doing a lot of cool things right now. Yeah. Uh, seed junkies is another cool one. Yep. And then we've got a lot of old school things too that we're kind of throwing back in the mix from seeds that we've gathered over the years that we've just had sitting in a safe for a long time where it's like, hey, let's bring these out and.
2: finally yeah finally yeah yeah. well now now's the time he touched on it and you guys are all aware right now this market is the i've been doing this a long long time i know most of us in this room have been doing this a long time this has got to be the most volatile um you know marketplace for finished cannabis goods that i've ever experienced it's just insane and so um obviously you know, you got to give yourself any competitive advantage you can. Quality is an easy way to do that. Not easy to get to quality, but if you have the quality, it's it, that's a. It's, it's step one. Yeah, it's step yeah. one, right? Um, and so, we've seen more, and and I'm, I, I guess I'm probably guilty of this. Um, I we waited a little too long to start some of these things because <laughs> I'm recognizing now, like, like the demand for just new and ever-changing and you know we hopped on the runch train but we probably got there like a little later than we should have so we're still doing runs and runs is great people you know but like um hopping on the jealousy train um but we're gonna do a better job of 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 being earlier to it um but part of that goes back to the whole idea that (laughs) these sops are so strict and so like precise and and already existing that you know, we, we we did what works for us. Mm-hmm. So where we slipped behind a little bit there, most certainly I'll be the first to admit it was with a little bit of that genetics stuff. But we are well underway with 100 plus new flavors coming this year now. The, <laughs> nice. The bigger we got sh- on week seven right now, right? Yeah. Starting week seven yeah. this week for, nice. for a lot yep. of our new new stuff. Yep. So
0: The bigger the ship the harder to turn
2: i, I use that sure. the analogy it's like making a, a u-turn in a cruise ship right yeah, like yeah. i can do what we need to do to guide us but like i can't do it like you know pivot just 90 degrees and one at what it takes us a, a minute right we implement something that starts with because tyler and i talking it through and then where are we going to start and how's it going to roll down again it's not all one building or one facility mm-hmm. we're spread out all over so just figuring out, like the like rolling out Athena, it's not just like okay, turn on the lights tomorrow and Athena's on, right? We gotta look at scheduling and when are we harvesting here and when's the right time, to like, you know. So yeah, <laughs> it's harder. The bigger you are, the the harder it is. Well, also I
1: think our smallest harvest is, is right around the hundred light mark, <laughs> right? Yeah. So it's like okay, you want to roll the dice with something on R and D? We haven't really been big because we had proof of concept going into this, right? We we rolled this out with. With, in, in, with Charlie's formula and, and his proof of concept. And it's like, this is the way that we're designing these things and we're doing them. Um, so we kind of shot ourselves in the foot a little bit and like the R&D side of things where it's like, we didn't give us much room uh, to kind of test things without, because you're not going to feed different things in one room, right? Uh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. No, you, you got to
1: make the change. And now you're talking 100 lights where it's like, let's roll the dice here. And there's there's big money, right? 100 lights is 100 lights. Um, but to kind of touch on the last thing too, to Charlie's point, um, it was one of those things where it's not broken. Don't fix it. Right. Um, so we grew a lot of, you know, we might be a little bit behind on some of these things, but looking into the future, it's like, okay, with what we have right now, 12,000 lights, you know, is that, it could, are the consumers going to want triple the amount of the same things that we have now? Right. Probably not. Right. So we need to expand our variety uh, just for the sake of our expansion because you're tripling the amount of the same genetics that you have. So that's mm-hmm. why we're, we're going all out right now. Cause we're King's garden, man, right? We yeah. don't do anything half ass. We're going to do it extreme. And now's the time. Like everybody's operating under the same guidelines right now. Everybody's switching to other, like the LEDs are, are a thing now, right? So everybody's using the LEDs or if they're not, they're using the same HID lighting as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Everybody is, well, hopefully people are starting to move towards that, you know, moving towards salt lines or clean lines and stuff like that. So if you put everybody in the same pool and everybody's going to grow the same, what's going to set you apart? One, it's going to be your SOPs. It's going to be your troubleshooting skills and how to identify problems as they happen or before they happen to try to prevent those things, your IPM game, uh, and then your your genetic demand, right? Like, those are the things that's really going to set you apart. So that's why... Then your costs. And, and your cogs, costs yeah. Your cogs, for sure. yeah. 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 Um, so that's why we're doing you know, so many at once, it's like, okay, well, if you're going to do something, now's the time to do something drastic. And, and, you know, we're going to do it strategically. We're going to roll this out, uh, to where we're not going to shoot ourselves in the foot. And it's the end result for us is going to be good.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Just not taking, you know, rolling the dice in this time of the market. It's, it's scary. can't, Can't do that. No, it's just don't have time. I mean, especially with like you're saying, Charlie, like just the market is so educated um they and they always want something new like every week and it takes us you know a quarter to to roll out something new that is proven consistent stable, you know that we could throw in the lineup yep so it's you know we're you guys are fighting uh you know it it's time you know,
2: and then it's it's especially frustrating when these trends are fads, and not all of them are there's plenty of like Really good. We mentioned a few like the breeders and stuff that we that we love working with and that have, you know. But when a trend or a fad is born out of like some influencer, or rapper, or something like saying something on a song or doing something, and then that becomes the trend, it, it, it's 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 beyond frustrating for somebody in in the our position to be like, well, first of all, why the hell is what so and so has to say you have any influence, and now why do I have to? pivot to you know to, to oh, so. based on what he said yeah yeah that's so a, like at least i respect it when it's coming from you know the people that you that the, we all have our own people that we know we respect and whether it's a breeder or even an influence whatever but if it's coming from certain people you you'll react a certain way it comes from somebody else and it seems to rub you a different way
1: yeah you kind of have to try to like to charlie's point too like if you're trying to chase things and trying to trace tr- trends and stuff like that Imagine for for a large-scale operator like us, 3,500 lights right now, uh, how long do you think it takes for us to get one seed to market at scale after R&Ding it, making sure that it fits in our our SOPs and our formulas and and our growing methods? Okay, this is the one or two, whatever, that we selected. It takes almost a year for us to actually get that to market at scale. Mm -hmm. Right, so it's like at that point, is that genetic here for the? St- is it here to stay? Right within the market. That's why we're late sometimes. <laughs> yeah, right?
2: like, hey, we, we,
1: you know, we were on it when it came out, and y'all wanted it, but it, it kind of ship has sailed. Right, so yeah. there's a few staples that definitely haven't gone anywhere that that have stood the test of time, and you know those are the things that we're after, things that have a little more longevity behind them because they're truly good genetics that that people want. So upping our variety with those is kind of the goal right now. Yeah,
0: it's vital. You yeah. always have to be popping. Mm-hmm. You always have to be popping beans. Do you guys have any uh, storefronts? Or are you guys planning on doing any storefronts?
2: Retail's never been our thing, right? So I told you I I, I started a retail in Westminster, California in 2003. Um, it was called the Rancho Collective, right? Back in the days of everything <laughs> just being an acronym. TRC, the Rancho Collective. Where was it? Uh, Casa Mesa? No, uh, uh, Westminster. Westminster, okay. Westminster, yeah. Westminster Boulevard. Corner of Westminster and Rancho. Uh, so I... Got a little experience there specific to cannabis retail. And I'd had some retail experience like in the nursery side and stuff like that. I recognized pretty early on, I'm not the person that wants to be doing real retail. Um, I'm not a a great (laughs) forward facing, you know, this whole idea that the customer is always right has been bullshit to me forever. I'm like, no, there's (laughs) some customers that are like wrong. And like, I want to be the one to tell them that they're wrong, but I can't supposedly. (laughs) Apparently. So, um, so no, it was very clear early on that like retail is just a headache, right? It's a huge, Mm -hmm. huge, huge headache. But more importantly, like than it just being a headache, I recognized like, you know, the value. So I, you know, if kind of step back and assess, you know, the situation, this is again, going back, you know, 20 years ago, the, the person who was going to be, you know, better off from my perspective after doing my like thorough evaluation was the cultivator, right? There was lots of retails that we could go shop our product to. We always, of course, had the traditional patient side, you know, that we, we could go to. Um, there was li- very little interaction with, um, you know, people to begin with and definitely had the ability, you know, to disguise and kind of, again, you got to think of like the time that we were in, right? And um, trying to be kind of behind the behind the scenes. I give a lot of credit to the people who were early adopters, like jungle boys of early adopters of like, they've been doing this for a long, long time. They're not new. They're legacy guys, but they jumped in and said like, we're going to kind of show you what we're doing. um, Long before a lot of those people like were willing to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Myself included. So um, my partner, my my partner, Mike wanted to put, um, I remember years ago, the conversation came up. We're building these beautiful buildings. They have these state of the art Mm -hmm. cultivation facilities. And he's like, I want the, I want a big old illuminated King's Garden sign on the side of the building, something you can see from the 10 freeway. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, oh shit, what? <laughs> yep. Right? There's a thousand light grow. You want to mark it with a King's Garden logo on it? Yep. So I've just come from that era where we're like, we don't, like, no way, <laughs> right? Flash forward to now, every one of our buildings has a big old logo on it. We're proud as hell of it. Um, I'm so glad that he convinced me to like, that that was the right decision but um yeah coming from an era where like we didn't want to put ourselves out there quite as much right no coming from an era kudos to all those who did oh for sure
0: yeah coming from an era where you know you're out at a bar you're with your homies and everyone's asking oh what do you do for a living it's like construction construction yeah (laughs) Yeah. and it was
2: true that construction was a very big part of what we were doing anyone who was setting up grows and stuff i mean like You know, you basically became an electrician you basically became a mechanical engineer and learned HVAC and stuff like Mm -hmm. that because you were you didn't have access. Now, look, we get to call and now we have the biggest, you know, union companies and stuff like that salivating, begging for our work and stuff, but we couldn't call a local plumber before Mm -hmm. without risk or fear of like, I mean, you know, so. Something
0: having, somebody having something on you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's so nice now, by the way, to be able to like pick up the phone and call somebody when something breaks. I don't want yeah. to do that. So, okay, we're gonna pay somebody to do it. Right? So we were you never lying when we said construction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, we learned all the trades.
2: We did. Yeah,
1: we we talked about this a little bit yesterday. How I was giving you guys props and praise of of you know just doing this here alone because this is something this podcast and and what you guys are doing even with like the facility advisors and and just. Access to information for people in our industry, whether it be people in the caregiver market and or people like us that are large-scale operators, right? We came from a smaller scale at one point. 16 lights. 16 (laughs) lights. Well, yeah, even (laughs) smaller than that at some places, right? How many people had a grow in their attic or garage, right? So Mm -hmm. um, access to information has always been super limited. Nobody has the answers for everything, right? This is farming, and there's always different things that pop up and occur. Uh, but to have something like this where it's, it, it's not Reddit, right? And it's not yep. like before. It's not, you not know. the grow shop yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not, it's not yeah, exactly. the counter at the hydro shop which, which we all which we got great adv- i mean that, for sure. that was, this yeah. is what we
2: had it's right? what we
1: had no, but but something like this with some of the top growers and, and professionals in the world in this industry specific with the amount of like r&d backing that they're doing for this uh to have something like this at just an arm's reach that's not a social media platform that's just like visual based instagram right which people have gotten on off of for years, right? Gotten yeah. their information from, from people like the jungle boys and, and, and Miami mango and guys like that, that, that put all their info online because they want to help and, and teach people and kind of bring the industry up. So like people like us can really appreciate a platform like this where, you know, you could just listen to a couple different podcasts and it's things that people aren't talking about. Right. Charlie and I, you know, I've been doing this for a little over 10, he's 20, 50, you know, 25 years into this thing. Uh, old school methodologies right like you would tell me not to flush my plant to tell you you're crazy tell me to feed a clone at 2100 ppm i tell you you're crazy right so there's a lot of things that's kind of like breaking our cycles into what we thought we knew or what was right Mm -hmm. to us at the time with changes in in the industry and you know what we have the resources that we have to be able to implement different things that were kind of shamed at that time right um to when, learn those new things, it opens up the book a little bit more for us.
2: But when you guys back that up with, like, facility advisors, right? Like, that's the differentiating factor there. You're not yeah. just saying, like, hey, this is what you should feed the plants. Or this is, like, you've got, like, legit people who are out here in the world, like, showing up in our grow and talking to us. And these are people who have as much and more experience as any of us. And it's it's extremely valuable. And it's not just a sales pitch as the other like, – like, you know – Oftentimes where you know you get as much customer service as is needed to get the sale or attached to the sale, yep. right? They kind of go yep. hand in yeah, hand and then they but then the, but then it's kind of yeah. that's it, right? Yeah. So the idea that you know you guys are sharing this information and the Jungle Boys and Ivan and Roach and these guys are, are are an open book and they're allowing you guys to help and you're allowing us and like it's it's the idea now that we can all kind of share information with each other. And that I'm sure at the end of the day, you know, I used to say, and I don't get to go in nearly as many grows as I once was, but you know, I've never walked in a grow and not learned something from it. And that includes the shittiest grows that I've ever seen. hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And, um, so getting like minds together to just bounce ideas, the most productive conversations that we have as it relates to our operations or Tyler and I just kind of like bouncing shit off of each other and like, well, I think this and this and Right. And that's plug the- more people with more experience yeah. in, i.e. Alex and whoever else. Like yeah. fuck, man.
3: And that's the opportunity I think that that I saw that, you know, Brandon and I came up with this idea was, you know, being in sales my whole life, it was, you know, you got a product, you sell it, it's sold, collect the money, done. And, you know, for the FAs to be able to put their eyes on the garden and see something else that you guys don't see, and then just be able to bounce the ideas off each other and figure it out is, you know, obviously something that we've never had in the industry, but something that has has really taken the F.A. team to the next level. And, uh, you know, a lot of the growers, I mean, they respect it. They love it. You know, it's it's something that is we're able to push the envelope, you know a lot further than we have ever done just with multiple eyes experiences um walking into places instead of just verbally talking over the phone you know it's 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 huge
2: it is
1: it's the technical side of things too where i could uh, like for somebody like me that that's seeing something that's kind of out of the norm okay well what are my variables here what what am i doing differently well start as i've changed our whole nutrient line right yeah um so to have somebody that's from that line to to be like yo i'm seeing a little bit of this and and his response is send me your runoff numbers okay so there's a technical answer that's gonna be following this it's not Mm -hmm. just oh well you're doing this or that just an assumption it's let me see remotely inside that substrate let me exactly Mm -hmm. let me see what that is so that i can actually give you a proper answer not just give you some bullshit just run around to try to get you to buy more of something right and uh Like I said, we haven't had a failure on the program yet and we haven't unlocked the full potential, but some of those small conversations have gone a long way because maybe it was exactly what was said in that conversation between the two of us, or maybe it just unlocked a little idea and something clicked where I was like, "Hmm, you know what, I I need to do this a little differently. Um, So to have that as a tool is just to anybody, the biggest growers in the world or the smallest growers in the world, um, to be able to hit the Instagram or something and you know uh get a response back like yeah. hey this is you know
0: I always got really confused when I'd go on a nutrient company's page and it'd say oh we don't answer our dms I'm like what How does that make any sense <laughs> you know it's like we're here to like we got three guys full-time answering dms you know it's so important to get the the right knowledge out there um with with the FAs and that experience what's cool about it it's It's like, we don't always have all the answers, but I think that we collab together and communicate to find a solution. And a lot of these guys, you know, sometimes Alex, how many times have you called Chris Duran and you're like, Hey, I have a problem here and I I need to get to the bottom of it.
3: Weekly, man. Yeah. And again, it's just, you know, always evolving and learning and just not being stuck in your ways and just being open-minded to that there could be a different solution, a different route. Um, and just getting a different perspective on that problem, um, you know, at hand.
2: Yeah, I they're, think it's. There usually always is a different route and another. In a solution, million ways. You know? I mean, there's <laughs> yeah, no. a million ways.
0: Yeah, I think it's important for our FAs to always have humility, you know, because mm-hmm. it's we we've we've had you know a few more ego, you know, personalities on the team that didn't last long, mm-hmm. um, but with that humility, you're not afraid to go out and say, Hey, I don't know the the right answer to this question. Before I tell King's garden to do this, I'm going to call, you know, uh,
3: we're, we're learning every day. Exactly. I mean, it's, we don't have all the answers, but we have the team, uh, to find the answer for that specific problem for yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are you guys, uh, you guys are in California are you planning to expand to any other states or anything in the works that you feel comfortable talking about?
2: Nothing that we're really, you know, so we're so focused on right now, this expansion and what we're doing in California. Mm -hmm. We have always known that California was like the make it or break it place. Right. So it's home to all of us to begin with. So it was important, you know, but it's, you know, to Tyler's point, the most discerning market and it's going to chew up and spit out a lot of cannabis companies in the next couple of years. Yep. Um, so we've always, you know, been proud of the idea that we can succeed or have been succeeding in California. We want to prove that we can continue to do that. It's really, really hard for me to think of how we can expand into other states while maintaining the integrity and the and the like devotion to the way that we do things in the SOPs. So of course we love the idea, the concept, right? Certain states more than others obviously um, are really intriguing. It's highly, highly likely if you ever see us in another state, which as of right now is not you know the case. But if you do see us in another state, it would likely be under like a licensing type of model, um, because again the idea that like Tyler and I can go to Florida and be there all the time is it's just difficult for us right now with all the expansion and stuff that we've got going on. So potentially through some sort of a licensing deal or something like that um, but no' we're, we're just so focused right now on this this local expansion mm-hmm. but kudos to those who have figured out ways to uh, to make that happen oh, sure. yeah in particular the jungle boys been following them like in their Florida expansion looks like they're about ready to open up retail looks like they've got their first harvest already come down and mm-hmm. so it's super cool to watch um, people that we respect be able to pull that off. And do it not under this public MSO yep. model. Um, you know, we, we know all too well how that works. And mm-hmm. and um, so the idea that they pulled that off, you know, the way they've pulled everything off bootstrapped, it is just yeah. awesome. Yeah, just like you guys. You yeah. guys
0: are the same way. You guys are operators, yeah. you know, to the core. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. You guys are cultivators, you're operators. Um, the same exact thing as, as Ivan and the boys. So it's 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 awesome to see do you get a lot of inbound on your instagram or inbound in general from a state that's like hey like when are you come in here when are you come in here i i know you yeah, guys
2: do we see it yeah, yeah. we see it and um, neither one of us actually are running the social media so we see it less but the states that i've heard people are always asking about are actually the states that you they're the they're the right states to be in it's the floridas and the the jerseys and new yorks and stuff but yeah. again, most of those with their idea of the vertical integration and the need for vertical being vertical, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say it again, we're not retail operators. Yeah. Um, and that's another reason why it would be like through a, a partnership and a licensing type deal, like going into grow fire product in another state, like using our SOPs and our kind of, um, you know, system that's, I could see that doable, but going in and running, you know, multiple retails because you have to be vertical and stuff like that, that's It's not our expertise. I'll be totally honest with you. I don't think I could successfully pull off a retail.
0: I think you'd want to. And And I I know I don't want to. (laughs) uh, I ran a a retail hydro store for like 12 years and, uh, I lived there for four of those years. Yeah. So, and that's what it really takes to get, you know, the retail customer satisfaction and, and the whole customer front facing is, uh, is difficult. What, uh, what advice would you have for a new brand coming up new cannabis brand that's coming up? What, what advice would you, would you give a new brand coming up that, that wants to make it big
2: in this state in California?
3: (laughs) I'd I'd wish
2: him luck. Buckle up. Yeah. Buckle up. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a wild ride. It's tough. It's tough to say, but I ultimately think that the companies that are going to succeed in any state, um, and some and this isn't like, you know, the only ones that will, but I, I think a big part of it's gonna be um, you know, just remaining loyal to who you are as a company and starting out like the the kind of family feel and what we have, the the workplace vibe and just what happens there is is such a big part of what King's Garden is. And if you lose touch of like <laughs> I started growing weed because I wanted access to more weed to smoke and of course to sell on the traditional market and stuff like that but you got to remember why you started and I have a a dear friend of mine who we lost on on the hill working um one year but we'd be in the middle of like busting our ass maybe running miles of poly pipe through a forest trekking up a hill (laughs) rolling water tanks uphill to get them to the high spot digging ponds developing springs you name whatever pick the backbreaking job you were doing on that given day and um carlos would look up he's charlie there's got there's got to be an easier way to smoke a joint (laughs) 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 right and and, um so you got to remember we did this because we wanted to smoke more joints we did it because i wanted better weed i wanted more weed eventually it was i want to provide for my family and myself um But if you lose touch of the idea that, that this is all about the plant, then I think you're destined to fail. Yeah. And if it just becomes a rat race, uh, where you're staring at the books all day and trying to squeeze a penny out of this or juice another dollar here. Um, if you don't at least have, that doesn't mean you have to consume. I'm a big consumer, but at least respect and love like s- some things change maybe i won't be able to consume my whole life i mean i hope i will but maybe i won't but at least having the respect for it right yeah mm-hmm. absolutely i think a lot of companies are going to fail just based on the idea that they have no love to begin with for the plant and therefore really have no business in the space
0: yeah yeah they don't understand it maybe i'm wrong maybe they'll all succeed and nah. we'll fail <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I, I, you, I don't know you, you <laughs> no. saw I, it happen I, you saw <laughs> you saw it happen in Canada. Yeah, you know, You yeah. saw it. I mean, Canada is a perfect mirror of the, what the United States could, will probably be. Mm-hmm. You know, because these, you're now you're seeing a lot of these smaller craft farmers. My buddy Chris uh, is one of them, and he's got a small little hunter lighter up in Canada. He's putting out fire. He's running Athena, and he's and he's he's got a good solid business there. But these big, huge Aurora and yeah. canopy growth, they I mean, I talked to a lot of guys in Canada, mm-hmm. and they're like, they're failing yeah. but hard. hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But know? it's a matter
2: of how long. So they have access to public capital allows that drowning to be a much slower process. They were failing years ago. I checked out these. Yeah. I, I was in Canada. We almost went public, and that's a whole other story for another day. But <sighs> five years ago, these places were growing garbage, and talking about how they were working the kinks out. Talking about how yeah. they've got GMP certified facilities that can't grow crap like it's it's dog shit. Excuse my. It's so true. Uh, very cool to hear that you know somebody's finally figuring it out out there. And oh yeah, I guess my point in that is that yes, I, I hope that if anyone's going to fail, it's not your friend growing fire, and that it is the ones who are you know but the reality is your friend doesn't have access to unlimited capital i'm guessing no and some of those guys just keep going back go back to canaccord and raise more money yeah right Mm -hmm.
0: yep i had uh autumn carsey on loved uh, that uh, did you yeah yeah Yeah. thanks that's cool they uh, so had her on and we talked about tax reform and she's got a big movement are you guys doing anything to get behind tax reform on cannabis? I'm
2: I'm following Autumn's lead. I'm using her boilerplate um, templates to get them to both of the cities that we're in, Palm Springs and Cathedral City. Mm-hmm. Cathedral City's already received theirs. I work, nice. I'm actually on the task force, the cannabis task force in Cathedral City. Um, so I'm very vocal in that in that particular city and pushing hard for it. It's a very interesting topic. Um it's dealing with local I loved her approach, right? She's like, we're going to start with the cities, and and they've had some great success with some of these bigger cities, Oakland and San Francisco, and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. Little city of Cathedral City, the response is, and don't this isn't me accepting it. We will continue to push, but the response is that they've already baked in. So we're saying you got to lower. they there's some of the highest cannabis taxes in the state. They're ten percent per ten percent gross revenue for dispensaries, and they're ten dollars per square foot annual. For cultivation. Whoa. Uh, so some of the highest in the state. And we're pushing them to say it's aligned with some of the neighboring cities and some of the other just cities in the state, closer to $5 a square foot and closer to 5% gross revenue. Their immediate response is that they've already baked in the revenue from that they're expecting from this 10% and $10 per square foot into the next two years budgets. So if you tell them we're going to reduce the taxes by 50%, they're looking at a $4 million or whatever it is, like d- deficit of where are we going to, where's this money coming from? So the council, the, the policymakers, the, the immediate response from them is show me where this other money is coming from, which I didn't know I was supposed to be their accountant now or their, you know. <laughs> so they're not, they won't accept just on the surface that we need to reduce our taxes because that's going to throw their budget out. And to which our response is, Watch what's happening to your taxes right now already, month over month. They're declining. Don't do it. Kill the businesses in your city. And then what are you gonna do? Where's the money coming from then? You got zero. You got zero, right? So we're trying to like be so dealing with policymakers in a small city where the only responsibility like that they feel they have is to the constituents who, you know, elected them. And that's it. Like they, they just think and So it's tough. It's an uphill battle in these little cities. I think you're going to see more success, and autumn is like amazing for being able to do this. Like in these bigger cities that have a more, like, liberal and progressive thought and ability to kind of think down that road, than you are in these cities that are like, oh, you're just talking about taking my money away. Like Mm -hmm. that's how they see it. Right. I'm just, I'm just asking for a reduction in taxes because so much so that we have some of the community task force members who are like, well, it's not our fault. If you guys can't run a good business, this is what happens in any new business. Like you guys obviously just aren't good at business. So you'll fail and someone else will take over your spot. And like, and then you got other people, you know, and they're like saying like, guys, if King's garden is failing, (laughs) like your whole cannabis in the city or Valley is at risk. Right. And right over their head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we'll keep trying. We'll keep yeah. trying, and we won't stop. But I don't know how successful we'll be
0: at where price at where the price of cannabis is right now, and where your tax structure is for Cathedral City. Is it sustainable? No, I didn't think so.
2: <laughs> Absolutely not. So you know the market needs to adjust or the costs need to go down for us to come out of the red. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think I'm not ashamed to say it. I think that anybody who's in this space right now is 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 seeing the same things. Mm-hmm. We're a very, very lean company, and we're very, very good at what, we've, what we do. As a result, we've been able to put some money into savings when times were better. But the way things are right now, we will burn cash, and I believe most companies will until the point that they can't anymore.
0: You're not mm-hmm. the only one. You know, uh, I, I know, I, I know I'm not jungle boy, jungle boys is having the same problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's everybody. Yeah. It's not sustainable. Yeah. These taxes not are sustainable. not sustainable. Yep. It's not, you know, sustainable.
2: it's crazy. And, and, and the cost, you know, it's, it's, it's one of two things, right? It's like, like I said, I mentioned lowering the cost. We've done that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you to you guys again for a lot of that, like help and guidance there. We have done that. Um, But that's not like we, <laughs> we've skinned that thing down so much, like, we're really, really lean and really, really good at we, what we do. Our costs aren't. We don't have a lot of a lot of uh, ability to lower costs. What we need to do is lower taxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because the costs are pretty damn fixed at this point.
0: Yeah, I think I think the ne- I think twenty twenty two, especially twenty twenty three, um, if things don't change on tax reform, you, you're going to see them drop drop like flies.
2: We'll see what happens, right? I think I've I've heard that uh, Newsom is directly spoken on the topic now i guess he's mentioned that he's going to have the discussion so i don't know i don't know but it's overtaxed and what other i mean what other industry do we see municipal and state taxes on such high levels and the end product is in some situations i'm hearing 40 plus percent taxes by the time it gets to the consumer and then you wonder why it's black market or gray market or illicit market is just thriving yeah right because they're selling depths for good depths for 300 and 400 a pound and they're not taxed
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) i don't think anything's been as taxed as heavy as cannabis ever no in history just wait till the feds come on i know What is it five percent tax right
2: well uh, yeah and look i'm guilty of it i've always said but this is where like it's I wanted, I encouraged legal cannabis, right? I was a proponent of it and I said, like, give us a rule book, let us follow the rules and we'll do it, right? I believed that we could make a legitimate industry out of it. I could make a legitimate living for myself and raise my family and my kids this way. But I knew it needed to be out of the shadows and kind of into the light in order for that to happen. So I, I was a proponent. I said, let's do this. Let's like, give us rules, let's do it. I just don't think that anyone ever expected the rule book to look like a Bible, right? Just thick, thick, thick. (laughs) And I don't think that we really knew what we were asking for. Mm -hmm. I stand by the idea that I want, I want to be, you know, in this position, I want to be a proponent of legal cannabis and I want to play in this space. But like the idea that we just openly accepted everything they threw at us was a big fault, a big flaw on our part right on my part and many others Mm -hmm. part like we're like oh here's our rule book without actually reading it
0: or anything first right (laughs) yeah so i mean well back then you did the math and it made sense
2: that's the other thing what worked out and that's what i'm telling the city cathedral city right i helped write that ordinance Mm -hmm. right i agreed to that ordinance when it was put into place and when it was put into place the numbers worked out it penciled out for lack of a better term it penciled out Mm -hmm. and now it doesn't yeah, right. So,
3: and that's yeah. also, I mean, it, it, it's, it's compounding the issue with uh, you know inflation and cost yeah. of goods. I mean, yeah. that's not helping the situation yeah. at all. I mean, that's why that is the t-
2: price of everything going up right now? Labor, fuel, like all of our input materials, power—just everything is going up. But the price of our finished good is just soaring downward. <laughs> yeah, recreational consumable, man. Yeah, yeah. It's just—it's that one's like. You know, you can't buy a used car for, for what they paid for it brand new. You know, it's no, used car prices
3: are through the roof ev- Everything, it's crazy. So, so, new car price, used car, car, car
2: price. prices. It doesn't matter what they uh, are; they're yeah. through the roof. But the price, but you can buy the best, 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 best cannabis you've ever seen for the lowest prices, right? Yeah, just like yeah, literally, yeah. like what yeah, uh, you look at the these bags, you're like, oh my, <laughs> these are just fire, right? So. And it's happening all the way through. It's on the commercial. I mean, it's on the the bulk wholesale side. Um, but it. But look at what these retailers are getting mm-hmm. beaten up too. Uh, we keep hearing these terms. If it's not a BOGO, it's a no go, right? <laughs> you go and try and sell your product into a store, and all these stores are like, if it's not a BOGO, it's a no go. Everyone wants free product, discount. Like, you know, they, they think they should be paying ten dollars for an eighth of premium,
0: making you pay for shelf space. Yeah, paying you know, for brutal, shelf. That's space. brutal. That's Yeah, brutal. slotting fees. Tough uh, times we're in. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are in all the cookies, right? Yeah.
2: We, yeah. Uh, you know, it, they. I, I want to say we are. We have historically been in all of the cookies. They have different ownership structures uh, kind of in different locations. And so things kind of change a little bit here and there. But we've always had a great relationship with the cookie stores. I think yeah. we're in most of, the, most of the Stizzy stores and all of those big players that have the the – the multiple storefront operators, um, you know, the one plants, the stizzies, the cookies. Um, we're seeing, you know, a lot of love from all those people. It's awesome. Yeah. Those are the, and unfortunately, those are the, like, only guys in that space that seem to be surviving. All of these single-owned mom-and-pop shops are struggling, it holding seems. Holding on. Yeah. yeah. Bar- barely holding on. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, Tyler, you, you know, we talked about Chris earlier, but you are now on their new dilution solution system.
1: Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up. Uh, so Chris came to us end of 2020 um, and said, hey, I, I got something It's ready for you. Like, I got something. Uh, so we took a trip out from Colorado and sat with uh, us and our boy Carlos, who he introduced to us uh, from Bear Ag. And uh, long story short, we were the first people at scale um, and in California that he installed the dilution solutions controller um, with into our facility and an existing facility, actually our largest facility, uh, 1100 light facility. Uh, So we took that one, had batch tanks already, kind of ran on dosatrons and things of that nature, Um, pulled everything kind of, you know, sequentially um, and installed that. That's a game changer for us uh, and moving forward even more so uh, because of the uh, accessibility I have with it, like remotely, um, but also the consistency and the kind of user interface. I have a different uh, interaction with the facility now because of that. So just to give you like an example, we use it for fertigation. I don't use it for irrigation at the time. It was an existing facility, so all of our irrigation lines and, and wires have already been ran. It was a headache to try to change that, and, and what we were doing was no different than what that was going to do for us at the time, right? Uh, but for fertigating, now we could have one skid instead of a doser for every single batch of rooms, batch of tanks, and or dosatron for a recipe. Um, no more direct inject directly to the plant. Yep. Uh, one skid with the editrons uh, hooked to this computer, this controller, where we input all of our recipes. So whichever... And we started this, <clears throat> excuse me. We started this with with our original recipe, um, and it was actually really good that we did that because you know with the time Chris spent with us in the facility uh, setting this thing up, we learned a lot about chemical compatibility with with the certain like acidic values of different ingredients being mixed together uh, with less contact time or, or you know mixing time with with water, and all of these things. Um, to where there was kind of like a a diminishing return on the amount of product that you were putting in to reach a certain conductivity value wasn't adding up the same as like a dosatron or like your hand mix application would right so we're like beating our heads up working on this thing for weeks and weeks and and you know dialing it in differently than how you would expect to and then we swapped everything to the two-part and it was just like again the, the stability in the chemical compatibility that these ingredients have with each other. They're just meant to be, you know, injected or mixed, however you want to do it. It just, it's, it's spot on. You say, I want 50 mLs of this ingredient and it's going to give me two EC, right? That, that's what that value is going to eat. It's going to make sense at the end of your line. Um, But so basically we have all of our recipes and put it into the, into the controller. And at just the touch of a button, I can fill groups of batch tanks within hours for the same day or next day, however you want to do it um, for, for specific harvest. So depending on what stage of that plant or that room is in, if I want three EC, two EC, whatever it is, um, we're scheduling everything in advance. Again, going back to like as much as you can schedule out, the better you are. So I'm implementing this thing to have kind of like our baseline formula uh, in it. So, okay, we're going to plant this room on like this programming day.
0: Programming the whole flower cycle. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: That's game. Having
2: recipes already set,
1: right? giving the baseline and kind of the 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 platform that just based like off of experience like this is what the plant is going to want granted it will give you override access and like things for subject change like eh, we need to do this on this day whatever whether it be a pot reset or you know increase our ec things of that nature but that's up to the operator or myself to be able to make those adjustments on the fly but it gives you your like your your whole harvest, basically, the day that you plant, I know that it's going to need this within these weeks and these days, and it's going to just kind of be scheduling, right? Calendar That's a scheduling. game changer. Yeah. yeah. We're doing some some crafty shit with it. Uh, long story short, we're trying to put things on loops where we can measure, you know, EC, conductivity, uh, you know, pH in your batch tank. Uh, we're automating stock tank systems a little bit differently, not just something that you can go and buy. Uh, off the shelf, like a solve or something. We're going to design our own concept, you know, volumetrically, where, like, a hopper can dump, you know, an amount, like, a certain amount of salt by weight, right? So you don't have to, like, worry about how many bags did I set out for this 200 gallon stock tank, right? You don't need to worry about that stuff anymore. So that's going to allow us to do stuff like that, right? M-
0: moving forward on your new builds, all dilution solution. Yep. Yep. Sick.
2: That's Shout dope. out Chris, man. Die. Gangster product. Right on. Mm-hmm. All Editron, no more Dosatron's. Yep.
0: Editron and solutions. And yeah. solutions. Yep. yeah, I was, I was, I'm a big fan of Dosatron's, you know, but yeah. I just haven't really. I did Editron a long time ago, and I was using monosilicic acid, and I just, you know, I never put it in my lines again. So I'm still, you know, haven't gone back to the Editron thing, but. It was another oh, example of
2: one of those things I had to break down that barrier a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dosatron's I love; they're mechanical, hydro-powered, right? So, you're never worried about power failures or yeah. anything like that, right? Yeah. It's it, it was it, I understood it, like you know the basis of it, and so it made it you know nice and easy for me. Um, the Editron was you know required the the again it's kind of breaking down what you know and saying like. But Chris does a good job of it. He explains that you know this isn't a new this isn't like you know just a brand new thing that they created. This is you know proven and has a track record and something
3: they've been working on for a long time. And then his dilution
2: solution stuff is like the interface. When you just look at it, it looks like you're looking like an iPad or something as opposed to like, I don't know if you ever looked on like Argus. I mean, Obviously you guys have, but like an Argus system or some Mm -hmm. of those like tank logic stuff, anything that's That's, controlling logic and stuff like that. And it looks like it's like windows 95. Oh, it's old. Yeah. It's old and And so like, he talks about noise. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You see like (laughs) visual representations of how full tanks are or something like that. Right. Like things just look like, you're like, wow, like mm-hmm. that's cool. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Going back on the editron, I, I haven't used uh, that for any kind of dosing without a controller kind of telling it what to do. So when you have something like a dosatron and you're trying to inject ingredients, it's based off your flow rate. And if your flow rates are off, then you, yeah. you turn a couple dials, you you check your EC and, and you can adjust from that. Right. So I can successfully long story short, I can successfully operate with a dosatron at any flow rate, given I have, you know, the bare minimum. Uh, with the Etatron, it's it's speaking to flow sensors, so it's picking up the flow that's coming in, and and making Adjustment. its adjustments clicks mm-hmm. per second based off of the flow that's coming in. It's not like a volumetric thing where it's like, hey, you need to be at this many pounds of pressure for it to work. Where it's x mils per gallon actually equals that. It's based off of your flow coming in. So say if you got a dual dab for for trying to mix the the, the tanks a little bit quicker, trying to fill tanks quicker, and one of them goes out, right? It's gonna make that adjustment and you're not gonna be fucked at the end of it. It's just gonna take longer. So it has kind of that safety buffer. On top of that, man, you can get so tricky with this thing and every single shutoff valve like like anything, right? Safety precaution across the board on your facility, overflow ports, things things of that nature, where like it'll send you an alarm, it'll shut a master valve off. Right if a solenoid kicks open, it will it will measure its rates and it's like, hey, you called for a thousand gallons of of water and it takes this long with the flow rate that we've we've been filling at it's been running for longer it's going to shut off just based off knowing that it's it's you know your your flow sensor in the in the tank has failed potentially yeah yeah so it's redundant. Amazing. yeah run redundancies man yeah, yeah that, absolutely yeah. for
0: sure yeah, it's all Roach is switching to. They're putting editrons. Uh, they're putting uh deletion solution everywhere. Yep. Um, Chris
2: is a smart guy. Yeah, yeah
0: he's a smart. He knows what he's <laughs> doing. He knows what he's doing. He definitely Yeah, knows he does doing. for sure. Cool, guys. I really appreciate you guys uh, making the trip out. Taking the time out for sure. Appreciate it.
3: Yeah. Appreciate
2: you guys. Appreciate the support. Looking forward to like continuing this uh, partnership we got going on. Yeah, And can't thank you guys enough for just being solid cats that, yeah. you know, to do what you say you're going to do in a world full of uh bullshit smoking mirrors it's nice to uh, it's nice to you know be aligned with people who are vibing like yeah. us so thanks you know, like appreciate, appreciate, yeah, appreciate, thank appreciate you guys man. thank
0: appreciate you thank you appreciate you always all right wrap it up wrap. that was sick
1: yeah that was dope that was fun thank you guys Yeah.